This episode of the podcast is with Kasembe Abena, aka Lord Vesper. He teaches Synergetic BDSM, which is a I saw his one of his workshops last Saturday. I described it as BDSM with a sensual and an energetic flair, which actually is probably how he created the word synergetic. Really fun discussion. We speak about like the different archetypes that come out, the healing aspect of BDSM, clearing up a lot of misconceptions I think a lot of people have, including myself at one point around what BDSM is. It's not really about fetishes necessarily or rips and chains. It's about deep archetypal psychology and an opportunity for healing and growth and transformation. As Lord Vesper speaks about one announcement, I think I mentioned this last time, but the Rwando podcast is now part of the Gotham podcast studio based in New York, New York, which really just means it's going to be out more. So if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, I would love it if you do. You can go to itunes.rwando.com. Hit subscribe. If you like the podcast, please leave a rating. It means a lot to me. You'll see a lot of my ratings are from many years ago. I'm rebooting the podcast and taking it more seriously and having on more guests because this is fun. And I want to bring awesome conversations to you. So I really appreciate that. Enjoy this episode. You're listening to episode 045, Synergetic BDSM featuring Lord Vesper. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. All right. So Lord Vesper, yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to ask you about your backstory in a second, but um, why don't we start with how you got the name or how you, you created the name for yourself? Mm, I did. I've never been asked that before. Good question. Uh, so I wanted something a little bit different. Because uh, your real name's Kazembe. Right. No. Real name is Kazembe, Kazembe Vena. Um, I wanted something a little bit different. I um, wanted... Something that um, I like the names with these in them, and then I just started doing research. And uh, Vespertine Bjork did an al- album years ago called Vespertine. I don't know okay, if you're no. it's uh, <laughs> it's awesome. But I, I I love that that word, and I found out what it meant is basically um, you know something that comes alive at night. So I did more a little more research, and basically you have vespers, which are prayers that are said in the Catholic Church at night. Hmm. And then you also have a Vesper, which is um, an evening star or something that comes alive at night. So I said, gotcha. That's so lots of meanings. Because, yes. uh, and, and, cause essentially, and what I like about a lot of the play in kink, but also BDSM is like the active embodiment of a different kind of archetype. Exactly. So, I, and I heard you speak a little bit about your intro at the, at the workshop I saw you did, but like you created Lord Vesper as like an, is it fair to say an alternate personality or persona? Yes, it is. Uh, that's what I, well, that's what I thought I was doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but a very dear friend of mine uh, told me, she said, well, consider that your Vesper persona is really you and that the other is a conditioned response. Hmm. That the one, you know, because you know how people talk about your representative, right? Everyone needs their representative. You know, they, they, they put their representative out first to meet people. Um, but so with that in mind, um, I thought about it. And again, this is a good friend knows me, knows a lot about me, my background and things. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, some reason that she said that. So I said, yeah, I said, I said, you're right. I said, I said, I said, you're right. I said, I think that could be the more authentic self that perhaps I was afraid to 
on certain levels let out hmm. of the cage in uh, everyday life. And so here's my excuse to do so. So we, you know, we create those spaces uh, that can, where we can really be ourselves. Yeah. And we don't have to be all PC all the time. We don't have to apologetically um, alter our personality. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you look at like what we were drawn to on television or film, mm -hmm. sex, violence, you yeah. know, emotions, power, like stuff that we yeah. kind of judge normally. Yeah. But that is part of our, our humanity, whether it's like our whole persona or like a, a, like a set of archetypes within Absolutely. us. Um, yeah. And that's what, something that drew me to BDSM too, is that like, I felt like there's a part of myself that even though I'm playing a scene, like mm -hmm. this is real. Like the right. part of me that wants to like choke a bitch, it's been in me my whole life. <laughs> and then, and Better it comes out in a healthy, consensual, sane Absolutely. way. And it's like hot on the other. I mean, yeah. you know, consensually, obviously, it's pleasurable on both sure, sides. And sure. it's something that feels real. And like, I mean, I don't know what you're, I mean, I'm going to ask you in a second. But like, for me, the draw to BDSM was really initially just because I saw that women I was interested got off on it. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really mm -hmm. understand the appeal of leather. Okay. Like okay. I tried tying up like, you know, handcuffs. It's like, what? I don't understand. Like I, I just saw in the movies, like this is what people who are into sex do. And right. I was like, I want to be cool. So I tried it. But like, um, when I saw women actually get off on many women, not all like women right. who, who identify with the sub mm -hmm. archetype get off on being submissive. Like, well, I got to learn how to do the opposite if I want to hang out with these women. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that also was the same for me as, as similar. I think, um, well, actually I think, I think mine kind of went from the inside out. It's like there was something inside that just wanted to have this sort of expression and wanted to come out and play, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, and be seen and heard. And for me, music was a big music and the aesthetics in general was a big component of it for mm -hmm. me initially. It still is. Um, when I was coming up, you know, in the seventies and eighties, well, eighties, actually eighties and nineties, really, uh, you know, I was into new wave. I was into industrial, mm -hmm. you know, uh, stuff like that. And the golf scene was kind of loosely connected to the new wave, perhaps an illegitimate brother to the new wave. And, um, to that, there was kind of the fetish scene was kind of connected to the goth scene. Hmm. So I kind of got introduced to it from there early, early on as a teenager, didn't quite know what it was, it was and what it was about, but I dug some of the music. I was mostly into you know, electronic dance music and industrial, but some of the goth stuff I dug. And as I got older, um, I explored it more. And then that's when kind of more of the sexuality of it appealed to me and hmm. the power play appealed to me. And then, Honestly, you know, I'm sure you'll have some questions. We can delve into this a little bit later, but I I found that you know, with my standard healing practice versus my intimacy work, the intimacy work has been much has gotten much more attention by women. You know, women approaching me. You know, I want you to dom me. I want to go through this, and just like you, I was surprised that so many women. Uh, resonated with this and wanted to, you know, be in that um, sub position. Yeah. 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 I just posted this on my Instagram. Another Dom told me this recently, like uh, good doming is giving her what she needs in a way that you want. I saw, yeah. I saw that. Oh, I saw okay. that post yeah. and, and I said, that's spot on. Yeah. That's yeah. Spot on. I really absolutely. liked what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. All right. So how did, 
a good Baptist boy raised by two women <laughs> become Lord Vesper. And maybe, you, I mean, actually, don't know the, I don't know the timeline of your life. We've been hanging out for the last couple yeah. of days, but like, so you were a DJ first and then you got into like... Yeah, so, um, well, actually, in terms of... All right, let me see if I can backtrack okay. here. Whatever order you want to go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me see. <laughs> As I weave my tail. Um... Or spin my tail, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how it goes. Anyway, um, it so it was it was it was the music first, as I said in 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 during high school, and then later on after college, when I went to L.A. to study acting, pursued acting for about ten years, I just really started to explore the aesthetics and really, you know, took classes at the, um, uh, the pleasure chest. They had class on rope time, tying mm-hmm. and, domine- dom- uh, and, 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 uh, domineering and, and, you know, just regular BDSM rules and things like that. So, and what drew, drew you to that early? <sighs> I guess it, you know, I guess it was the urge to exert a certain type of power. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's what it was that I had not been able to exert uh, as a good little Christian Baptist boy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that stuff was completely taboo, um, you know, completely unacceptable. Um, you know, little good Christian boys were not even supposed to be having sex outside of marriage, let alone tying somebody up, mm-hmm. let alone smacking somebody and choking them and they loving it. Mm-hmm. So that was just out, out of the question. So there was really nowhere to even have a discussion um, about those things. And, you know, being raised by two women, two quote unquote God-fearing women. And I, you know, love my mother, love my grandma. They both passed away, but I have ultimate respect for them. And, you know, they do the best. As parents, we do the best that we can. You know, right. I, I don't have any children, but I know parents do the best they can. And we all come in with our own sets of conditions that we pass along to other generations, our own sets of beliefs. But um, that, that, that conversation was not happening. So it was, it, not only was it, was it the fact that it was a Christian household, but it was a household with women. And so I think that even had I had a male presence, perhaps my childhood would have been different and my view of sexuality would have been different, you mm-hmm. know, because perhaps a man would have understood that, hey, you know, let that boy do something, you yeah. know, let him have some sort of outlet. So you feel like some of your maybe more male archetypes just never got to come out? I do. As yeah. a, as a, as a, as a child. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to uh, do that myself. Um, and uh, it, you know, it took, it, 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 I was in my forties until I realized that why, why I had even, I had come full circle to even realize why I had even created Lord Vesper and what that was really about. I really just hadn't thought about it like that. You know, mm-hmm. just something that I enjoyed to do, I enjoyed doing. And um, something that I knew that many women enjoyed as well. Uh, but I hadn't really connected the dots until in my 40s, you know. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I hadn't connected the dots. When I did, it actually informed my uh, my teaching and instruction uh, because it just let me know, like, okay, you know, you can't run away from, you know, the old cliche, you can't run away from your shadow. You can't run away mm-hmm. from who you are, you know, it's going to be there and it's going to come out in some ways. And I'm just glad that it came out in, 
constructive ways that I had at least had the insight to say, okay, let me create a safe space for this, you know, versus something else. Um, but for me, you know, the music was, was a huge part of it in terms of what I would do because later on when I did get into DJing, um, I would make these, this is back. I'm, I'm, I'm well, I've, I've already aged myself. So <laughs> when I, when I, when I would, uh, I would make these little tapes, this is when cassettes were out. Mm-hmm. I make these tapes and I would have, I would call the dark, what I call it? The Dr. Dark mix. Okay. And it would be, you know, it would be, it would be, you know, stuff that would, you know, I would play during my, my little sessions, you know? Yeah. I'll say you have the best playlists of any Dom I've seen. Okay. I don't know if it's a DJ. And I actually, this is something I noticed when I was filming you uh, for Instagram uh, you're the only, I've seen a lot of spanking demos. Gotcha. I mean, not a lot. I've seen a handful. Gotcha, you're gotcha. the only Dom who I've seen spank in rhythm with the music. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> I've never said, I was like, oh yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Right. Like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. I, I took that note. I nice, like, right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And there are a couple of, um, there are a couple of philosophies behind that. Like I've, I've read Dom and, and seen Dom and they say, you know, you want to, you don't want to do everything so rhythmically because you want to catch the sub off guard. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Okay. That's one mm-hmm. approach, but my approach with it and why I believe in, in it being a rhythmic slap is I'm trying to induce a type of trance. Yeah. I'm trying to get them to transcend out of their body. Yeah. You know? So that's what I'm looking for. So that's yeah. why I want every, it's like the whirling dervish, you know, I'm yeah. trying to get a rhythm going. I'm trying to get them, you know, to raise up and transcend their body and transcend the senses. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's why that needs Yeah. To people, happen. I don't think get it. It's it, like, I love the whirling dervish thing, like yeah. or chanting yeah. or like whatever, yeah, like, you know, like, cause like, I'll say like, I don't usually play in the sub role, but at your workshop Saturday, I was a little tired. Yeah, and like I've been, I've been doming my partner all week. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. why don't you play for the yeah. workshop? Why don't you spank me? It was great, man. You were, yeah. you were there. You're right there, man. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the whole time I'm thinking, like, okay, you know, this is not really my thing. I don't like really get hit in the butt. Like, I don't really feel it. Uh-huh. But, but when I sat up, I was like. Holy shit! I'm wow. in a different state of mind. Wow! And I, did, I mean, the whole time I bent over, I'm like, I'm yeah. not. Th- I'm like, whatever. I'll just do this for another yeah. few minutes. I didn't realize how much time had passed. I didn't realize how like, I, I mean, and it was only what, like, not even ten minutes. We were. Do- uh, no, no, no. You guys, you guys were playing with with each other probably for twenty, almost thirty minutes. No way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like five minutes yeah. to me. I was like, it must okay. be longer. Wow! Than I really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, as a matter of fact, I'm sure it was at least thirty. Huh. Because I felt like I bent over, I yeah. got some butt pads, and I yeah. stood up. <laughs> That's wow. what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, so and like I don't even stuff. like being in that role, but it was cool. Like I mean, I get the you know the, the you know yeah. It's kind of hard to not go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's. I mean, uh, you know, we're jumping around a bit, but that's like right. you're uh, the. I think you said there's yeah you have five you have five things with your synergetic BDSM thing, but with the actual action, if I remember correctly, there's three like different notes you play. It's the impact play, exactly, sensual touch, and I'm afraid in the third one was it energy. That's right, energy okay, cultivation okay. movement. Very good, yeah, very good, sir. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I was very taking good. notes. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, I even forgot one there. You told okay. me you, you said intention. I said yeah, yeah, yeah. very good. So, um, yeah, so absolutely. can you say a little bit how you came up with that? Because like that's actually another thing like with the rhythm, but also you have a Reiki background. Absolutely. Was that before or after? And how did you combine them? Uh, that was actually before. Um, and what made me get certified in Tantra and start to explore Tantra was that all I'm doing, I was doing all this upper chakras work. So mm-hmm. Reiki, you know, and, and, and just any of the typical 
metaphysical, non-sexual, non-intimacy related practices tend to focus on the heart chakra and above. Mm-hmm. The heart, the yeah. throat, the third eye. Yeah, it's so boring. Yeah, you know, and it's great, you know, because yeah. we're talking about ascension and this and that. Uh-huh. And it's fine, but if we're talking about a holistic system, as I said in the workshop, we need to, we can't forget about how we got here, which was first through the genitals. Mm-hmm. And then we can't forget about our gross body, meaning our most dense body, which is through the lower three chakras, you know, mm-hmm. the root, the sacral, and the uh, total plexus, which gives us our identity. So, um, uh, I realized those things were missing mm-hmm. and I started to pursue, uh, education in terms of Tantra and got some, you know, some good stuff, some, some good certifications there. And then, uh, it just kind of made sense to me to marry the two. Um, man, okay. So it, it, it made sense to me to marry the two, uh, and for me, it was the easiest way it made sense to make it the most, to make it a healing modality. Mm-hmm. When I would go to dungeons and I would see people play uh, at clubs or just wherever publicly, it would be so boring to me. Mm-hmm. Like this is just, this is disconnected. It's not sexy. I don't care how naked you are. It's still not sexy. Um, or it's just brutal. It's just someone slapping, beating someone's ass. And you know, that doesn't take a lot of skill. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I guess, you know, I just wanted to, uh, I felt that there was something more to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, I felt that it was, you know, marrying Tantra and energy work, uh, with BDSM was a way to go deeper. It was just a way to connect and go deeper. And, you know, cause I guess I started off as a, uh, a sensual dom and actually this, the, I started doing BDSM first, but when I went to college, I started to explore metaphysics, mm-hmm. um, indigenous uh, African spiritual systems and Native American uh, and Eastern. Uh, and then I got uh, formal training when I you know, came to Atlanta uh, after going to uh, LA coming back to Atlanta rather. And, um, so, so, so those things happened before the actual, um, the actual formal training in regard to the energy work and it, the actual formal training, the formal training, the energy work happened last actually. Hmm. Yeah. That actually yeah. happened last. Yeah. And I'm actually curious. I'm excited. You've mentioned Orishas a few times. Right. Are you of West African descent? Uh, I'm not. I'm okay. Not, I'm not. Okay. Yeah, All right. Well, yeah, either, yeah. either way. Because yeah. I just found, I mean, I just learned about this as a concept recently. Gotcha. I didn't know much about African mysticism, but gotcha. I met someone this year and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. It's a little bit different than what you hear mostly like in, from Indian or Chinese descent. Like, Absolutely. Can, did you get any training or is there any way you bring like the energetics? Can you share, share a little bit about that? Yes, I can share a little bit. Um, uh, I have been initiated um, in a certain way. It's... it's uh, so it's kind of like a precursor to Voodoo, right? Uh, Voodoo. Voodoo. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Western Western society calls calls Voodoo Voodoo, mm-hmm. uh, but Voodoo is really the proper term, mm-hmm. and Voodoo is really is 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 an African centered and is 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 an African indus, in, indigenous spiritual system that 
manifest differently in various cultures. So in Cuba, Santeria. Right. In uh, West Africa, like Ghana and Yoruba land, it's uh, Ifa. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Brazil, it's Candomblé. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Lukumi as well, I believe, in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken, as well, um, and several others. You know, you have you have it showing up in Benin. So, but that is that is uh, part of Africa's uh, in, indigenous spiritual system, and it shows up in different ways in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, for you know, very it was it was important for me to to study that. I, I looking I'm looking to get deeper into it, but I've been on the fringes of that probably 20 plus years, meaning a lot of my friends uh, have been initiated over in Africa. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I go to get my head clean, you know, your head is your ori, so mm. i.e. higher self. Mm. So you get head clean, I get head cleans fairly regularly um, and partic- have participated in many rituals over the years and I have a lot of respect for it. And a head cleaning, is that like a, was it like an energy healing type thing? Uh, a head cleaning, it, it, it is. It's, it's, um, if you are typically stressed or you're anxious or your cloud, your, 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 your thinking is cloudy, mm-hmm. um, uh, or you're unsure of yourself, uh, so the, the idea is that is that the the head, the higher self, controls the body. So if you clean and cleanse your head, you're really cleaning the whole body. But if you're focusing on your head, your re, then your body has a better chance of following, you know, mm-hmm. a better lead because it's it's following the head, which is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are uh, uh, several friends of mine that, um, well, a couple, a couple of friends of mine that do that. But I have a lot of respect for indigenous systems. I believe that, um, although we may not want to take every single thing that ha- is tradition, I think that the elders um, they knew something and they were quite wise, mm-hmm. and that things, um, things, uh, and, and certain traditions were enduring because uh, they worked. Mm-hmm. You know, and the thing that. Um, traditional indigenous systems of people of color uh, do for me what I see that is a common uh, thread of, of connection is that they honor the space in which we reside they honor the earth hmm. they honor your environment and part of while while there are some great things in terms of Western society and Western culture in terms of technology etc one of the things that I'm concerned about is us living against as opposed to with our environment. And so that's why you have, you know, the carbon, you know, footprint issue and, you know, so many, you know, you have, you know, deterioration of the ozone layer and, you know, melting of the ice, polar ice caps and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're not, we have not learned to marry technology with with our environment. We're always going against it. We're using up too many resources. Yeah. The whole nine. But, you know, studying from that perspective and um, doing energy work from that perspective, you know, you learn to ground the body down. You learn to uh, use resources that are here um, at our disposal and work with the energies and elementals and angels or orishas that are here. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I see it as a form of respect, you know, because you, you're seeing people not as adversaries or you're seeing, you're seeing elements or entities not as adversaries, but as um, entities to help you and partners for support. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a, a communal support of, of, of everyone, you know, animals and trees and rocks. Uh, and, and, um, yeah. And recognizing that you yourself are an animal. Absolutely. Nature, we're all yeah. connected. Yeah. We're all, in, yeah. we're all an ecosystem together, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting how cultures, um, pervade so much else. Like, uh, if you look at the, I mean, historically European industrialism is what's driven technology yeah. in the world, but it's Absolutely. also been the most cut off yeah. from their bodies and from nature. And Absolutely. like, what's the sexual repression in the world exactly. came from those cultures. And Absolutely. It's making me think I, I used to date this uh, ballet dancer, a white woman, mm-hmm. and she was actually jealous of African dancers, but she was saying all the training she had as a dancer was all like, like you know, it's just like uh, everything's really tight and you keep yeah. your upper body up and everything's straight. Yeah. And like, she felt like she was disconnected from her hips exactly. and African dancing and a lot of, I mean, you know, even, even like, uh, from the middle East and parts mm-hmm. of Asia, like mm-hmm. it's all very like hip based and like yeah. you can see by the way such a woman would walk or mm-hmm. such a person, like mm-hmm. they're like on the ground. Absolutely. Sir. Like, so. Yeah. A ballet dancer might not be. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's absolutely correct. I uh, danced in a dance troupe, African dance troupe here. Uh, several years ago for a couple of years, I was dancing and I was drumming and, um, through the dances, you know, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're, the instructor used to tell us like, listen, you're, you are hitting the earth with your feet and that's your connection. Hmm. You know, you, it, 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 the feet, you know, the earth represents the earth, of course, but also the ancestors and, you know, your lineage and roots and, you know, trees and rocks. So you need to, you need to, when anytime you put your foot down or you step or you stomp, you are acknowledging that and you're making a sound and a rhythm with your feet, which mm. connects you to where you are, where you come from, your land, mm. you know, so you don't want to live on a land and be opposed to it. You want to live in harmony with it, you mm. know? So absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we kind of want to find a tangent. But, okay. So, so how, did, how did, uh, you know, uh, you're studying energy work, you're a DJ, and how did how did this energetic BDSM develop for you? Um, you said you were sensual dumb, right? Yeah. I, I get you know when I look back at, as to what I was doing before the energy work, mm-hmm. I was just basically a sensual dom. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I remember creating. Oh, could you define that for anyone who doesn't know? What sure, I, I think um, essential. So I'm not really my play is light to medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not into humiliation. Um, I'm into power play a little bit, uh, but I'm not into not into drawing blood. Really, not into leaving marks a whole lot, unless some good spankings kind of leave some, you know, some marks. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm into a lot of touch, mm-hmm. a lot of touch uh, throughout the body with my hands. Uh, my best impact tool is my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it. Only reason. I may switch to something else as if the person has a uh, high tolerance for pain and, and, and my hand feels like it's going to explode and I got to do something else, you know, <laughs> but, but I love to slap with the hand, but I'm, I'm really all about arousal from contact mm-hmm. uh, and caressing and groping. So that along with, 
just the aesthetic that I, that I like to set up, which, you know, you heard my music, very sensual music, even the lighting. When I have a completely controlled environment, I like the lighting to be soft and subtle. Mm -hmm. Um, some people like, you know, hardness. They like big buckle buckles. They like actual police handcuffs because mm -hmm. they like, you know, they like their subs to be in a little pain when they're mm -hmm. together. I don't like that. I'll use, I'll use scarves of different colors. Mm -hmm. So color is important as well. When I was doming um, early on, I had a little strobe light and I would put different filters on it. Hmm. You know, it would be blue, it'd be red. If I want to have a different kind of vibe, maybe I switch the music a little bit, you know, based on the uh -huh. vibe. So I would use, you know, incense and essential oils based on the vibe I wanted. So, mm -hmm. so a, 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 a essential dom in my definition would mean someone that's really getting into all the senses, but it's really about arousal. A little bit of pain, but more about the arousal, mm -hmm. more about the arousal and the domination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. You, you said something uh, on Saturday about pain and pleasure. And I, I've heard this, like, I've heard every dom has a different take on it. Could, yeah. you, could you share yours? Um, I'm trying to think of what I, what I said about it. Uh, I think that uh, eventually if you're doing, uh, I think I probably said this, if you're doing it right, um, and you start off light, your sub will actually request and, and, and want to, and actually expand their ability to take more pain. Mm -hmm. And eventually that pain will push them past the senses of the body and put them into subspace mm -hmm. and the pain. And you actually heard it from my sub at the workshop, uh, is, was used for her this uh, uh over the weekend because she otherwise if that pain was not there as a distraction almost mm -hmm. she would have been anxious she would have been mm -hmm. thinking about something else but it gave her something to focus on but because it's rhythmic because it's also interspersed with um energetic stimulation and movements throughout the chakras in the body it helped to actually allow her to transcend out of her body and transform and kind of turn mm -hmm. a corner so she has said that since that, just that demo, she has kind of let some things go that she didn't think she'd be able to let go. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think you yeah. said something, or maybe someone in the audience said something about like how you need the pain, the pain to reach a certain level of pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the one guy, so he, he did say that the other guy was a dom. He, he did say that. He said, you actually need, yeah, you actually do need the pain, uh, to, to push you to the edge and, and receive a breaking point to then break whatever sort of patterns that you have in your life. And if you're not mm -hmm. pushed to the edge and really, really pain is, is, and I've always said that BDSM is a shortcut uh, for transformation. That's why it's, it's shadow work. And then that shadow work, it's a shortcut to there. Um, but you need to be, you need to be pushed to that edge so that that pain can transform you. Mm -hmm. If you're not pushed mm -hmm. to the edge, with that pain, it, you're not going to get that, you're not going to get that transformation. If you, if you fall short of that, if you fall short of that edge, it's not going to be as transformative. Hmm. It's got to, it's got to push you past the edge just a little bit because that edge is that transformation peak. Yeah. Yeah. And pain yeah. and pleasure. And it's, it's a delicate, it can be a delicate mix, but that's what does it. Hmm. That's what does it. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that was the thing that I did not get for the longest time. Got you. And like one, th like one way another Dom put it to me that made sense to me is like, like uh, pleasure doesn't have any stakes. So like, if someone's pleasuring you, 
you can either pay attention to the pleasure you can think about your taxes or right, whatever, right? right but if someone's hitting you or someone's choking yeah. you like you can't think of anything yes. but what the stimulation absolutely is, it forces you into your body absolutely yeah. it forces you to face it it forces you to deal with it and you have a choice you know are you going to break down and run from it or are you going to sit with it and see what comes next mm -hmm. and so that it's almost like you're kind of fooling the body because if you're doing that and you're mixing it with arousal or mixing it with sensual touch or something that's stimulating, it's like the body kind of doesn't, it, it, it doesn't do, it doesn't do the typical fight or flight. It does mm -hmm. something else, mm -hmm. you know? So that's, and that's where the transformation piece comes in. It does something else. Yeah. So can you speak, I mean, we, we talked about three of your five, uh, tenants or, or core mm -hmm. or core core pieces um mm -hmm. can you speak about intention because you kind of yeah. went over that pretty quickly on saturday yeah, yeah. it seemed like that was like the most spiritual aspect of your work like it almost was like your well actually you might as well no that's fine, yeah. that's, fine. that's fine that's fine cool yeah. um yeah that's something I, I don't talk about much uh with my uh intro uh workshops but intention is everything you know and i always say that intention colors action the intention colors the action so um it really is everything. It, it, for me, it is, it informs how I conduct BDSM. Uh, you may have remembered me saying at the workshop, you know, being, um, an African-American male, I could not justify beating uh, a black woman, you know, an African-American woman here, uh, with no intention of healing or no intention of love, given what we've been through in this country. There's just no way I can do that. Mm -hmm. um, I love my mother. I love my grandmother. I love, I love black women. I couldn't do that. So uh, I guess with that and just kind of how I am, there had to be a healing component to it. And um, I was, over time, I got to see that Stating an intention on the front end and sharing that, you, you co-create that with the sub, but stating that with the sub and then using it throughout and, and the dom holding that in their minds throughout the scene. If, if, if I didn't have the time and, and, and the history and the experience of this, I wouldn't probably wouldn't believe it, but it really does produce an outcome that supports that intention. It really does. Some may take longer than others, but it's because the intention is a thought form that's energy. And when two or, two or more people are focused on that thought form, that energy, something happens and there's, there are certain principalities that have to obey, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it really, what it is, is it's a, it's a, it's a form of sex magic without yeah, I was just going to say, you're, yeah. you're talking about sex magic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it absolutely is a form of sex magic uh, without the orgasm. Now, how, however, now I've had several women have an orgasm uh, from a synergetic BDSM session with me. So if they're able to have an orgasm, and of course, that's no, there's no general stimulation other than energetic stimulation. If you're able, if they're able to do that, and that's even, that's even more fuel for the fire, mm -hmm. so to speak, that's more fuel for the intention, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's extremely important. Yeah. And you as a dom, since she's obviously not in a verbal state and she's probably right. losing her conscious mm -hmm. thought periodically, I think what I thought saw you doing was that you're periodically repeating the intention. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. exactly what you have to do. Absolutely. Because you just want them to just allow and, and 
when they're going through that process, they're actually wide open. So there are things that you're doing, mm -hmm. excuse me, as I said early on to prep the body, but you're prepping it and you're opening it up. You're opening them up to receive. So with that, with the intention, you're imprinting, you're imprinting their mind, you're imprinting their emotions, you're imprinting their energetic structure to take this intention and go with it. Yeah, it's basically a hypnotic suggestion. Yeah. Like she's in a super deep state of hypnosis. Absolutely. And then you're just putting hopefully a good suggestion Absolutely. in her head. Hopefully yeah. a good suggestion. Yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the nature of imprinting. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So um did you like hone your skills in dungeons? It sounds like you spent some time there. A little time there, but um I wouldn't play much publicly. I did a lot of my playing uh privately. But I would just observe. Mm -hmm. I, I just really educated myself. I went to classes. I went to junctions. And I would just sit back and take notes. And, you know, again, you know, I, I really created synergetic BDSM out of what I did not see. Mm -hmm. I was like, there is something missing. You know, there is absolutely something missing. And even when I started performing, I was concerned that initially, you know, there there was a difference. Obviously, there's difference between... By performing, you mean uh, teaching Demi or actually performing? Like I, I I've been flown out to L.A. and various other places to uh, put on demonstrations on oh, the stage okay. yeah, gotcha. in Atlanta and sure. Uh -huh. So, so um, and then there would be question and answer, you mm -hmm. know, that sort of thing. But you know, part of either just a variety show or part of a, an intimacy, you know, show or whatever, you know. Um, but when I started to do that, uh, to do live demonstrations on stage, I was concerned because here is something that I've typically done privately and now I'm taking it publicly. So, you know, is it going, is that same energy going to transfer to an audience? Are they mm -hmm. going to get it with something that is so intimate in terms of, you know, the energetics and even the presentation of it? Mm -hmm. Now there, and, and it took me a minute to trust it. It took me a minute to kind of adjust my body so that, okay, I'm flogging her. So people need to see this action. I can't mm -hmm. just stand and cover up the ass. Right. You know, they have to see this. Uh, they have to see a performance. But at the same time, and I always tell my mom of this, you have to, whatever you're feeling, it has to be authentic. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want you screaming just because that's what you think someone wants to hear. And I don't want you doing it because you think that's what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. I want to hear real moans. I want to hear you know, whatever. If not, I don't want to hear anything, you know, because your, your true response is also going to direct me in terms of what I need to do next. Mm -hmm. you know, and if it's not real, then we're going to be disconnected, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but kind of back to answer your question, it, uh, it, it, the first time I did it, um, it was great. The response was awesome. You know, uh, the crowd was silent they were focused. And as I said, at the workshop, it really showed me that the most important thing about BDSM for me is the connection. Mm -hmm. And that even if you're standing in front of a crowd of a hundred or 200 people, that connection is undeniable. So in addition, what that said to me was that the energy that is produced by two people connecting is unbelievably powerful. So it simply for me gives more weight to sex magic. It gives more weight to two people operating in one accord. That connection can't be 
it just can't be overestimated. Hmm. Um, but, and so from that point forward, I knew that one of that, that I had to begin my synergetic BDSM workshops with the connection first. So a lot of it is just getting the connection is establishing the connection first before you get into this, the, the spanking or the, even mm-hmm. the touching you, you, you are getting in that connection first so that the Dom maintains the power or perceived power because it's really the sub mm-hmm. uh, and the sub feels safe to give the Dom the power. Yeah, do, you, do you ever feel like, uh, or have you ever come across where you have to like train a sub to learn how to surrender? Like she wants to, but she won't let go and you kind of have to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, boy. Yeah. I have, it doesn't happen often, but, uh, there was one in particular, um, demo that I had and, and, and the sub was fighting me and, uh, I almost stopped in the middle of the demo mm. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when she left, uh, some of the attendees told me, they said, you can't use her again. She mm-hmm. just she was fighting it the whole time. And she really was. It was, it was horrible. And it was interesting because we had actually been, uh, sex, we had had sex with each other, you know, and mm-hmm. I didn't know what the issue was. Um, I think she, no, yes, I do. She had gotten a new boyfriend, but we had still gotten together. I don't know. What, I, don't, I guess that was in her head the whole time. Anyway. Um, so she and I were not boyfriend, girlfriend, but, uh, um, yeah, because I find this interesting because I think, well, I think a lot of women are, get confused. Maybe, I think less and less in this generation, but definitely in the last generation, feminism and surrender yeah. were polar opposites. Absolutely. Even to the point where like a woman has to decide between a family and a career, like Absolutely. a lot of these terrible dilemmas they yeah. have to go through. Absolutely. But like, um, I think, because like BDSM is not for everyone, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the dynamics are definitely for everyone. Like if, if you're if you're at least if you're in a hetero relationship, right. if you're a man who dates women, you have to understand yeah. you have to really understand that women want to surrender typically. Yeah. You have to understand your male archetype yeah. rising to power in a consensual way. So anyway, that's a, I mean, not not to go on another thing, but like how do you encourage surrender or create the space for a woman to surrender? Beyond her just deciding, okay, I want to surrender. Okay, very good. Um, so let me let me first say, and I'm gonna get 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 back to that really quick. Let me first say that BDSM, synergetic BDSM, is for hetero couples, same gender loving, same sex couples, mm-hmm. transgender, etc. So mm-hmm. it's for everyone. Let me first say that. And I also believe that um, uh, gender. Uh, does not um the archetypal energies of masculine and feminine are not completely resigned to gender so, totally you know, totally yeah. yeah so let let me also say that as well mm-hmm. so with in, in 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 with that being said what you're saying really applies to everyone that mm-hmm. whole power plan that gender mm-hmm. you know uh, top bottom surrendering etc applies to anyone who enters this sort of relationship and everyone who, who exists um Something that I believe is that you have to give someone a reason to want to surrender to you. So it's not about bullying. You have to give them a reason. And the reason in this sense, uh, why I think women, excuse me, no words, is that I think they, they know they can get something that they can't either get from most other people that they know and they certainly can't get from themselves. Mm -hmm. 
So you you have to yeah, have you a can't gift take for yourself. Them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You have a gift and you have something for them. Uh, I also think that letting them know that they are safe is obviously a huge component. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 just is, you know. Um, and you know, everyone comes with their own energy. One of the things that women say to me repeatedly is that I feel safe with you. You know, mm-hmm. I feel safe. I feel safe. I feel safe, and that's really important. Um, yeah, I also want to say, like, I think because I could see guys listening to this and get confused. Like, it's not like nice guy safe. It's exactly. not like friend zone safe. That's it's right. Like that's right. Safety, like real safety, where like you're a strong man that's who can handle exactly. shit, and you're not going to violate that. That's like, right. It's that kind of safety. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not being sterile. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I'm so glad you pointed yeah. that out, Ron. That's that's a really important distinction uh, because I have said to – well, actually, I've had a couple clients who have said to me, they said, hey, you know, it's really cool uh, dealing with you because um, I know that you're, you know, you're a heterosexual male, but, you know, I know that you, you know, you're attracted to women and still I know you're going to respect my boundaries. And they say, you know, I, I'm not used to, you know, hanging around with men like that. Mm-hmm. I said, good. Yeah. I said, yes, please know. Please know that, you know. I'm having sex. Please know mm-hmm. this. You know? <laughs> Please know this. I'm not neutered. I'm not, you know, no. <laughs> I still have my, you know, my balls and, you know, that's right. You know, so, um, but you bring up a really, really important point. That whole, I feel safe comes from the power of employment that you have to defend them and, or yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and that's real. That's not coming from a weakling. That's coming from, okay. So I think that if, if something happened, this guy would, you know, whoop some ass and I'd be okay. And it's like, that's correct. You know, that's correct. And I think that, you know, there's lots of I can say about this, but this is this is this is this is public because it, things things are just being misconstrued so much. So let's let me say that I think that women at the end of the day want to feel safe and men want to feel respected, right? Mm. And um, I have been with women who have been very very high powered, um. And it's, it has, it has surprised me from what they have said and from their actions in regard to what turns them on and what they want. I'll never forget. I was with, I had a girlfriend and we were out and we were talking with some friends and she was saying something and she was kind of, she was kind of being a little, little aggressive and it wasn't necessary to, to someone at the table. And I just said her name. I said, I said, I said, come on. I said, honey, honey, you know come on stop you know honey and she just kind of she just went quiet but later on she said this to me she said you know i really kind of like the way you checked me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and it let me know that you know what i don't care and she's she was extremely feminist quote unquote she Mm -hmm. was you know she was she was you know had a very very well-known position um uh and it that stuff doesn't matter Mm-hmm. You know, but she, but again, I had to give her a reason to do that. I, I had to let her know that I have her welfare, um, is that, that's, that's her welfare is important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's safe with me. I care about her. So I hit a men's group on Facebook for a minute. And the thing I would get often was, Oh, how do I get my, my lady to surrender? She wants surrender. I said, you're doing it. You're going, you're going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself, what are you doing 
to give her a reason to do that. In other words, show up as a man first mm -hmm. and then things will probably fall into place. But you got to show up as a man first. Mm -hmm. Grab your nuts first, you know, and that means being responsible. That means apologizing if you need to apologize. That means standing on your square and saying, OK, you may believe that, but. Uh, I've apologized. We agree to disagree and I've made the decision and that's my decision and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, there are various things that need to happen, but you have to show up just because you are born with a penis and a scrotum doesn't mean that women, you know, that doesn't mean that women need to just fall at your feet. Right. That's a bunch of patriarchal bullshit. You have to show up and show yourself approved. Yeah. So what do you what what does that mean for you as a man? And you know, depending upon the situation and the, and the type of person that the man is, they need to determine that for themselves. But mm -hmm. you know, there's a uh, uh, some scholars that I that I follow, and one of them was saying that uh, manhood, womanhood. If you say you know uh, being a woman, many women are considered a, a, a woman, and there's nothing added that they need to do, or anything that they really need to do. Mm -hmm. Perhaps in some circles, oh, you're more of a woman if you if you you've been a mother. But mm -hmm. typically, it's yeah. just like, okay, she's a woman; she deserves respect. But just because you are a a male, to be a man, you need there's something needs to be added. Yeah, you need you need to show that you are a man. Yeah, be a man. Show me that you're a man. So it's that doesn't come automatically. Yeah, there's a quote I, I posted on Instagram. It got some got some. Backlash is a little controversial, but by a woman, Camille Paglia, she said, women have menstruation to show them they're women, but men need to do something to be a man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Because men are, men, yeah. I mean, if you look at it, you know, anthropologically, yeah. males are expendable, yeah. right? Not all the males are even supposed to procreate. Yeah. It's the ones that win. Yeah. It's the ones yeah. that can lead, the Absolutely. ones that can defend, the Absolutely. ones that have charisma. And the rest are, I mean, it's sad. And yeah. A friend just sent me this article on how like, uh, twenty percent of men get all eighty percent of the Tinder matches, and with women, it's not that. It's kind of like almost all women. It's a little bit. This probably the hot girls get different gotcha. matches, right, but like, right, right. but with men, it's very like if you're at the bottom twenty percent, you're getting zero matches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it's really sad. Yeah, it is. It's really it's sad. For, but that's how nature is, and like. I would rather say to the men at the bottom of the status pool, learn because there's a lot of mobility. Like anyone can, you can exactly. start to, you can start learning BDSM and learn how to Absolutely. dominate for real. Like you yeah. have to stay there as opposed to a lot of like the social. Th I mean, I'm not good at political, but there's a lot of things like trying to like make things equal for people without having them do the work. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Another thing. And I, I want I, I wanted to answer your question, but I and I, I know what you mean. We can mm -hmm. this can go into a you know <laughs> this, this can take a quick left. So I'm. <laughs> trying to stay out of that zone here. We want to keep it pleasurable and whatnot and, and, and controversy free. But, uh, um, it, it, you know, you have to show up, you have to offer, uh, something, um, that the person that you're dealing with cannot get on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to show them something. And, uh, Again, back to the manhood thing, and I'm so glad you're talking about you know men being men and 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 being men in terms of not shying away from their aggression and their power. Mm -hmm. That is something that um, I had to learn later on. And again, that's where Lord Vesper came. I needed a place to exercise my power, and uh, I practiced martial arts for several years, and uh, that was one of the reasons that I did it again subconsciously. Mm -hmm. But I think for boys, 
they've got to do that early on. I, I, mm-hmm. I really, I would think boys and girls should do it, but particularly men, because we need to know what it feels like to, to wield our power, to stand in it, to use it, to defend ourselves and others so that you're not afraid of later. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not afraid of yourself. You're not afraid of your own manhood and so that you don't abuse it. Yeah. If you learn how to use something and have respect for it early on, you're more likely to use it with wisdom later on as you, as you mature. Totally. You know, totally. So, and again, not to go in political, but like right. the, I, I feel so strongly about the messages being sent to young boys of like, no, it's actually important for boys to roughhouse and compete, and like because they get it out, they understand, yes, yes. and they don't show up to a workshop when they're forty, being like, "Absolutely, oh, I'm so repressed. I'm afraid Absolutely. if I let out my beast, I'll hurt people." It's like, no, you should have dealt with that when you were yeah, a kid, absolutely. you know. So anyway, absolutely. that's my. I'm going to end the rant there because <laughs> I could go off on that right. for a while. But yeah, um, cool. We're almost at the hour mark. I mean, I feel like we opened up a bunch of tangents we could keep talking about, but. Uh, I actually have one last thing because sure. this is uh, we spoke a little bit about surrender mm-hmm. on like on a sub like level, but like for any person, man, woman, whatever, who feels they want to embody a dom archetype, or maybe mm-hmm. uh, whether it's like from a sensual perspective or whatever, like how do you suggest that people start exploring that, especially if they're repressed or they yeah. like, whoa, I can, can I choke a woman? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, like, yeah, but yeah. they feel that. How do you suggest they start? Uh, first, um, start talking with your partner. Um, well, first be honest with yourself about what you like, mm-hmm. be honest with yourself about what you like, and then start to talk with people, uh, partners. If you are not with a partner that, that likes that stuff and be honest and share these things with your partner. If you're not with someone that likes that, then find someone who, mm-hmm. who, who does. Um, there are many groups online, you know, Facebook, meetup groups, et cetera. And, um, and then start bit by bit, you know, take one thing at a time to say, okay, you know what? I like choking. Mm-hmm. And it, put in a little choking with your intimacy and your, and your lovemaking, you know, throw that in there. And then once you got the handle of that, throw something, okay, I like spanking. So now it's choking and spanking. Mm-hmm. Just take it one, one step at a time. Also, um, educate yourself, you know, go to, uh, places like the pleasure chest and, and, you know, groups and things like that. Join some more, and again, go join groups, you know, and have experiences, you know, but just take it a step at a time. The thing, the thing that I like about, that whole, the whole kink world, BDSM world is that you have the ability, as I said, the workshop to really create your own reality, Hmm. you know? Um, and if people are talking about, they really want to uh, step away from mainstream, then allow yourself to do that. Because mm-hmm. the whole thing of, that people complain about with, in terms of mainstream is that it's all cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well then, create your own cookie yeah. or create a biscuit or not a cookie, whatever, mm-hmm. create a cake, whatever, do it, you know? So just awesome. do it, just do it and take your time. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, how can people find out about your work in Synergetic BDSM? All right. So, uh, check me out a Lord Vesper, L O R D Vesper, V E S P E R on Instagram. Uh, you can also email me at Lord Vesper 22 at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, this will be up soon. Great. Uh, Thanks so much. I'm sure we'll cross paths again. Indeed, we will. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you having me on your show. For sure. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media, at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.
Drum.